Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So there you sit. I'm gay. I'm lesbian. I'm trans. Oh my gosh, I, I don't have any money. Oh my gosh, I just if somebody would just love me the way I want to be loved. Oh, look, they gave me attention. Sound familiar? Probably because all of us as LGBTQ individuals or as humans, we always seek this external validation to get us out of whatever crap it is we're going through in life, whether it be I'm coming out of the closet, I'm living in poverty. Oh my gosh, I I, I can't get past this because I feel like I have some form of a mental illness. And yet we try so hard to go move beyond because if somebody just says, you're good. We love you. It's great. And then sometimes it doesn't come. Well, that's where we're going today on Life Uncloset. We are talking about all of that stuff of like, why do we seek this external validation? How can it actually kind of put us in a space of PTSD and we don't even realize it? And I'm super, super looking forward to this conversation with my guest, Sarah Church. She has a new book out called Mending My Mind. And it's really about moving beyond the things that we believe we can't get past and how that puts us into those spaces of anxiety and distress. But to realize we actually can move past this. And I'm so glad to have Sarah here because I feel like this is a conversation for no matter where you are in your world, but especially if you are coming out or you've been through some tough stuff in life, I just feel like this is one of the ways you can uncloset yourself to go live your life truly as you're meant to be living it. So Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Rick. I really appreciate you having me and and having this conversation. Right. So we're going to do true confessions here. Sarah and I tried to do this a couple of months ago, and there were some technical issues. And just as we were getting to like one of the best bits, suddenly everything just went haywire. and, And it was like we were out in outer space somewhere. So everybody, we're all crossing our fingers here that technology is our friend today and that we get through this. But um, I'm really glad that you, first of all, are open and willing to talk about this sort of stuff, because I feel like so many of us don't talk about this stuff enough and look at the stuff that does kind of lead us into a world of PTSD. And I know you've had quite the journey in life, as we all do, but you've actually had quite a bit of ups and downs and crazy stuff that's gone on. So um, let's kind of dive in. You know, it's not just because you're a lesbian that you've had a hard time. There's a lot of other stuff that came about um, from your childhood. So I'm going to let you kind of insert wherever you want to start, Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, first of all, uh, you know, I, I will validate there have been kind of two things that have been hard for me to, to share about myself. Uh, you know, in, in the mid 90s, when I started realizing that I wasn't straight, the, the coming out process was hard and, and gradual for me because I had some internalized shame with that. But once I came out, uh, 
you know, everything, you know, got, got a lot better. Uh, and, and I just felt like I was living a, a fuller life. And, and then the second time was, you know, just in the, the last year, uh, being open and, and public that I was diagnosed with PTSD and, and, you know, have worked through that with the help of a, a great uh, therapist that specializes in, in trauma. And, and for me, that was the other, you know, thing that I had to open up and, and, and come out about because in having conversations like these, it also gets rid of the, the shame. The anecdote to shame is, is, you know, for me at least, being able to, you know, own and, and, and share my story. Uh, so thanks for making room for it. I think it's interesting that you use the term making room for it. And I don't know that a lot of us make room to go um, make room for these conversations. I mean, I, I know as I came into doing the work that I do and doing the work on myself, number one, that's where it started. But then doing this work and then opening myself up to putting putting these stories and myself out on the airwaves as a podcaster and a radio person, it was hard. It's like, I'm going to actually talk about this stuff. I'm going to talk about, you know, being, you know, quote unquote, molested as a child. I'm going to talk about the religious trauma I've gone through. And it's it's difficult when we're in these spaces because we suddenly put ourselves in that space for immediately either being like huge sympathetic. Oh, everybody feels sorry for us or, Oh my God, get over it. You know? And yeah, I think it's hard because I don't think a lot of people really get, they hear the terminology PTSD and immediately like, Oh, those are for people coming back from war and all this sort of stuff. Not really. Not really. There's a whole lot of stuff that happens. So, you know, give us a little bit of insight into where that really started showing up for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a couple things. Uh, one, uh, I'll define PTSD because to your point, a lot of us have faced trauma. So if we go to the CDC's website, 61% of us had an adverse childhood experience. It's called an ACE. Each of these ACEs can potentially impact nervous system and, and brain development. Um, so these are, are traumatic things. So most of us have faced these, these sorts of things and they can leave an imprint on us that impact us, you know, years, decades later. Um, and, and for me uh, to, you know, specifically answer, you know, your, your question, um, I grew up in a, a household where there was uh, substance abuse, you know, poverty, a lot of instability. And I, I witnessed uh, a really kind of violent crime when I was 13. And, and so these things kind of added up and, and shaped me and then kind of being part of, uh, you know, especially at, at the time, uh, you know, I was in college in, in the mid 90s, the LGBTQ plus community was very marginalized. Um, and so that alone, uh, you know, can, you know, be be traumatic. I had had friends that, you know, their parents wouldn't talk to them anymore. Some people feared for their safety. I feared I would you know, could lose my, my job career is a very important thing to me, uh, my career. And, and so, uh, you know, those sorts of things can, can impact, you know, everybody in, in this community uh, as well. So that's just kind of a, a bit of my backstory um, and, and a little bit about PTSD. What have you found has been like an interesting reaction 
to you openly talking about, hey, yes, I I am someone who experiences PTSD because I know there can be in so many things that's out there in the mental in the mental health arena. There's like lots of different reactions, but I'm curious what's been like the overwhelming reaction or like something you least expected when you started talking about this? Yeah. You know, two things. I, I realized there were two, basically two reactions and, and basically it's, I think the two categories we mostly fall into as we think about stigmatized uh, topics. Um, One kind of reaction was, don't talk about these sorts of things. They're, they're uncomfortable. And, and so in this bucket of responses of kind of folks, you know, anyone discomfort, not, com- you know, comfortable I'm thinking of a couple people in my family um, because I wanted to talk to them and, and get their permission before I, I published anything um, uh, and ultimately did get their, their support. Uh, but uh, you know, there's the, the attitude, you leave the past in the past, you know, you know, buck up, you know, be tough. There's kind of that, that kind of mentality, which I used to believe, by the way, before I actually saw a therapist to just kind of leave it in the past. But the thing is, when I left it in the past, it, it didn't leave me in the past. It, it showed up in my life. Sure. Uh, um, but then the second kind of, you know, insight for me is that there's this whole community of people who really want to talk about it. And so when I share a little bit of myself, then people feel more comfortable sharing more of themselves. And we're kind of in this together. And we all, as part of being human, have hard things that we go through. And one of the major ways of of healing uh, the trauma involves social support. That's one of the key kind of levers you use to, to heal. So you kind of have to talk about it in a safe way, a way that's sure. safe for you um, to actually, as one of the ways you, you get better and heal it. And it is one of the ways you get better and heal it. And it, as you were speaking through that, it reminded me of a, of the moment I finally truly came out and spoke about. Um, and I always say, quote unquote, you know, sexual abuse, because I put the quotes around that because it shouldn't have happened at the age that it did happen for me, but it also was the green light in my own mind of, Oh, now I kind of get why I kind of feel different as a little boy, you know? Um, Because I was always very much like, Oh, I'm fascinated by men and their genitals and all this sort of stuff, which, you know, most young kids are like fascinated by the human body. Right. But for me, there was something completely different. And Years later, when I finally came out, well, and actually both times that I came out, so I came out at 19, went back in the closet, as most listeners know. But then when I came out at 36, there was this interesting piece of trauma that I hadn't really dealt with that came from that experience. It um, It wasn't because... I was holding that person responsible per se, because I will not do that for one reason. And one reason in particular, I don't want to play into the, Oh, it was because you were abused at a young age that you're gay. Nope. We're not going there. But what I realized my trauma around that was this was something that had happened to me that 
a lot of people tried to use it as another thing that we're just going to brush this under the carpet. Okay. We recognize it happened, but we're not going to talk about it anymore. And then suddenly at 19 and then again at 36, Oh, well, Oh, you're gay. Okay. Well, okay. We're going to, we recognize it's there, but we, we really don't want to talk about it. And suddenly I'm like, wait, I have played this game before. And as I worked through it in therapy with my own therapist, she really helped me see that this was where the trauma was. The trauma was I was not supposed to be who I was. So let's brush that under the carpet. Let's pretend it doesn't exist. And ironically, I saw this play out in my entire familial background. Let's just put it that way. And now it's helped me really understand I can't like brush stuff under the carpet because every time I try to, the trauma reappears and it reappears and it reappears. Doesn't mean I'm stuck in it. It just, it shows up and I'm able to see it more. So as you started to work through this and you started to see, okay, from, you know, living in poverty and all this other stuff that you've gone through, how has the trauma now enabled you to like move forward in your life? Yeah, yeah, a, a couple things. Uh, one, like you, you know, I brushed it under the rug a long time. And there are many ways from people that I've talked to that have been working through trauma have, have coped. Some are things that society deems negative, like substance abuse. I was on a, uh, the other end of the spectrum of brushing it under the rug in which society praised me for. I was a total workaholic, like all of the time and in interfered with my relationships to the point that like when I, you know, my emotions rose up at all, I would, oh, well, I'm going to run. I'm going to work more. I'm just, I just kind of, the way I shoved it under the rug was, was, uh, you know, through, through those sorts of, of things. And, you know, when it shows up now, it, it actually doesn't as much because of all of the work I've, I've done. Um, so for example, when it, it really broke through was uh, when I turned 40 a few years ago. I mean, it's, I couldn't keep it or at bay any longer or, or keep it under the, the rug. There was just too much stress going right. on in, in my life. So my coping mechanisms weren't working, going for a run didn't work, putting in a, a couple extra hours of work at, at night didn't work. And, uh, and I was having nightmares, you know, waking up, you, you know, soaked in, in sweat, like I couldn't, you know, I would be, you know, I usually sleep well, but I, I couldn't, like, I just, my systems wouldn't keep it at bay. So I almost didn't have a choice to do, to deal with it. Um, uh, and I actually chose, I want to live a more fulfilling life. Like I, I know this stuff from my past isn't impacting me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you know, now because of, of all of the work I've done, I, I don't have nightmares and occasionally, you know, at a really kind of stressful time or something feels triggering, you know, I can feel, you know, anxiety or some of those things, but now I have these tools when that happens, uh, which isn't as often at all or as strong. Um, I know to, Hey, skip coffee and have tea. Like I don't, I'm already feeling anxious in this moment. I don't need to add to it or go on a a walk or, you know, so I have these tools that I I pull out. I can recognize it and, and, and manage it pretty well. The tools is a key piece. I think this is something that everybody intuitively kind of knows that 
okay, I go do therapy or, you know, I, I lean into like weight loss, you know, any of these things like, okay, I need some tools to help me when there's quote unquote failure. And the reason I say quote unquote is because sometimes we don't, we don't get it right the first go around. But when we start to lean into these tools, and I do this in my other part of my life where I coach um, professional speakers on building their speaking business, when they come back to me and go, oh, well, I'm not getting any business. I'm like, well, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you? Well, no, not really. Well, I gave you the tools. (laughs) I know, but I don't know. So as soon as I start hearing the excuses, it's an interesting place place to play. But what I also find interesting is when we see the tools, we hold the tools, we use the tools, we start to move forward. So I'm going to go back to the brushing it under the rug thing that we were just talking about. Anytime that something comes up that I'm like, I don't want to face it. I actually use this tool, which is kind of a, it's a relational sort of thing where I relate, okay, well, I don't want to face that. So, oh, I guess that's, we're going to put that under the rug. So I use that relational thing back to how I used to feel about everything that pushed under the rug to help me realize there's nothing wrong with confronting something. There's nothing wrong with stepping forward, facing it and moving myself into that space so that I can grow so that I can not go, okay, well, I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with that later. And in my own interesting, weird way. And as I was, you know, looking at bits and aspects of your book, it's a way of mending your mind. And I think that the more we realize we're all kind of broken and tools are given to us to help us fix what we feel is broken, whether it be something as, you know, truly as painful and deep as PTSD from a war or PTSD from anything, or it could be a belief system we have around losing weight, that all it means is starting to confront some stuff in a very loving way so that we can heal our minds and in your words, mend your mind and move forward. So as you started to realize, oh, these things are happening. What brought you to the point of writing the book, Mending Your Mind or Mending My Mind? Yeah, you know, you said a a few things that that really kind of sparked me. You used the word, you know, growth and, and, you know, the concept of, of dealing with stuff. And and, and for me, one of the ways that I dealt was through kind of journaling um, as I was getting uh, treatment. Um, and so uh, ultimately, that was kind of where the writing started. And, and writing was really helpful for me. And then kind of later at the CPTSD kind of foundation, um, other people's stories were immensely helpful to me. And I decided to, you know, share, share mine. Um, yep. And, and the feedback I, I got, you know, knowing that this could be of use to someone else really meant, meant something. Um, so it, it, you know, that's kind of where ultimately kind of the, the book came up on, but also kind of writing just kind of, not only kind of once I got past a certain level of healing, there was this word you use kind of growth. Mm-hmm. I realized that, that I'm in a growth position and, um, and I'll, I'll kind of try to explain that a little bit more at first, when I sat in front of my therapist, you know, like on paper, I was really successful. I had a nice house, you know, married to a great person, like great career in biotech, like everything looked good, um, right. you know, physically healthy, like everything 
looked good. So it was so confusing why I had this kind of inner, inner turmoil. And I was sitting with her. I'm like, look, you know, once, once I got the diagnosis, which took her a few months of, of, you know, careful evaluation. Okay. Let's get rid of it. I'll roll up my sleeves. Let's just, what do I need to do to get rid of it? And and she kind of raised her eyebrows. Um, and, and what I realized after working through lots of different kind of, you know, techniques and, and tools and, and, you know, proven kind of PTSD treatments is, um, is I never actually got rid of it. I transformed it into like a, a source of, of power, insight, wisdom, strength. And I've totally redefined what strength and, and power means to me. Love, like compassion. Like I have so much more kind of inner kind of fulfillment and I just have, I just feel like there's, it's, it's a force. It's a power. Like it's nothing I, I ever kind of got, got rid of. It's something I grew from. And I think that's the key is growing from these things, you know, when you can grow from it, it's scary. Not going to, I don't think you or I, either one is going to say, Oh no, this was a piece of cake. Let's, you know, this is, no, you got to go, you got to go step into as Brene Brown would say, you got to step into the arena and you got to be, you got to be truthful with yourself that this is important enough to go there that I'm going to go do this, you know? And um, I know for me, as I confronted certain things and, you know, more recently, I've really started to see some other pieces of this that have shown up where I don't want to be like certain other members of my family, but I'm predisposed to some of that because of how I was exposed to it as a, as a child. And as, I mean, not even just as a child, like as a, another human in the world with, the family familial situations and to know that, okay, I'm going to go here. This may be a little challenging and all of us as humans can relate to this stuff, but why am I going here? Because it's important to me. It's important to me to not be this. It's important to me um, to not allow myself to stand in those spaces because it's not healthy yet to do it from a place of, I'm not ashamed and I'm not going to let shame keep me there either. And I think this is something that you alluded to, um, you know, as you continue to like realize, Oh, I'm going to go externally validate and all this stuff. This thing of shame is huge. And I'm curious if you could like kind of talk through how shame in your own life kind of was, I'm assuming somewhat of a light bulb moment where you realize this shame is just not serving me. Yeah. Yeah. You make such an important point because I, I, and what everything you said resonates with me. I spent so much of my life running from shame, different forms of shame, the, the shame of being embarrassed that I, I grew up, you know, and, and a house where we didn't have, you know, much money and, and, you know, that sort of shame I was running from, you know, getting, you know, an undergrad degree and a graduate degree and moving up you know, the corporate ladder and, 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 you know, not to say that, that I'm not glad that I had had these goals, but I had to stop and think about what are my motivations? Is this really the position that I want to do, or I'm doing it because it has a, a higher, you know, I guess, you know, job title. And so I had to get rid of, you know, those sorts of, of things 
about, you know, 10 years ago, I decided I'm never taking a job for title. I need to really make sure it means something to me. And, and my work has been so much rewarding. But, you know, the, the shame of running from, from trauma is, uh, for me, it was a, a little bit different kind of shame. If people see me, see all of me, they're going to think bad of me. And, you know, everything, and there's the fear, everything I built by, you know, making different decisions than, than what I saw made around me growing up could come crumbling down. Like it, I mean, I had fear. So it was not only kind of shame that people wouldn't like what they see, but also fear. And, and so, uh, you know, with that, um, then there was, you know, the, the guilt, like for me, you know, the catalyst to rolling up my sleeves and, and really kind of doing the work, which is really hard, like you're saying, to be in that arena, like it's really scary. Um, and it's, it's like, you know, you re- for me, I had to ask myself, do I really want to go here, like and unpack this stuff, but it was interfering in, in my relationship, like I, you know, got married. And when I got overwhelmed, I, I literally kind of walked out, you know, from normal kind of relationship and life stressors. I just didn't know how to deal with the emotion. And, and, and I walked out. And so I had to make a decision. Who do I want to be? But uh, kind of working through shame is it, it for me, it's it, it was a process, um, uh, you know, and, and another point you made, you know, I had to be very kind to myself. So as soon as I started being really kind and forgiving and gentle in my thoughts to myself, I ended up being better to all the people around me that I, I love and care about. And, and I thought it was selfish to, to not shame myself, to not make myself feel guilty. Um, but when I kind of let that go and said, you know, treated myself well, I realized I show up better for other people in the world. Um, and so with that insight, realizing it was generous, not to myself, but to everyone else, uh, made me stop shaming myself, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. It does make sense. It's interesting because I was just coaching one of my speaking clients and he's like, well, I really want to focus on helping men realize that it doesn't mean they're a toxic masculine asshole if they focus on themselves. I said, well, why are you limiting that to men? He goes, well, because I happen to be a guy and it seems like every time we put focus on ourselves, I said, but what I'm hearing is you're wanting men to focus on themselves in a really healthy, loving way. He goes, well, yeah. He goes, but I'm a, I'm a little nervous to go out and do that because, you know, this isn't what ma- quote masculine men do. Right. And I said, yes, but it isn't what we as humans do. As soon as we say, Hey, I'm focusing on myself. That kind of becomes like, you know, code for, Oh, it's all about me, which isn't what it's about. And so we've been shamed into these spaces where, Hey, I'm going to go be me. And just let me be who I am. Oh, that's code for, oh, it's all about you, isn't it? It's all, no, it's about, hey, I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be a better human. I'm going to be in a better mental space in my life. If I'm allowed to focus on myself when the times are right to go focus on myself so that I can come back and do even more things. And by the time we got done speaking, he was really fired up because he's like, well, yeah, I want him to realize that when they focus on themselves, they're going to be bringing more to the world. They're going to be having more impact. They're going to be able to do this without, okay, gosh, I guess I can't be who I want to go be. I I can't do this for myself. Well, suddenly there's that energy shift of, okay, this sucks. Okay. I'm not supposed to do this. 
And it's so interesting, I think, Sarah, to, to like look at this through the lens that we do as LGBTQ people, for sure, that if we weren't shamed into, the, oh, you're just selfish. Oh, you just, uh, wow, how different would our experiences have been? Yeah, totally. When you share the story of, of, of this, you know, person, you know, uh, man, maybe, you know, thinking maybe it's, it's selfish for him to do these things for himself, take care of, of himself. Um, I think that's a, just such a big problem, uh, in, in society, um, and, and LGBT as, as well. Um, and for me, all that I can say is once I realized, and it was hard for this light switch to go off in my head, like I deserve my kindness as much yes. as I wanted to give it to everyone around me. And, mm-hmm. and as soon as I gave that to myself and my kindness means, you know, going, making sure I have time to take a walk or exercise, you know, almost every day, like, you know, kindness to me is, you know, buying nice food and, and catching myself when I have kind of no negative self-talk and, and, and not allowing kind of me to talk negatively to my own self. As soon as I did that, like I was so much better able to, to show up and, and give that to, to the world. And, and I just know from firsthand experience, like the, better we treat ourselves, the better we treat everybody, you know, that that's in, in our kind of radius. Absolutely. And it's, it's, I know we've all heard this a million times over, but it's, it's the proverbial, if you're on a plane and the mask drop down, put your face mask on yourself first and then put it on the other. You can't, you can't necessarily put it on somebody else if you're not able to breathe. So there's a very good reason why this happens, you know, and I've been through some situations where I'm like, okay, wait, this is happening. So what can I do? You know? So one of the situations I was in at one point in time was I was like, I literally was walking down a sidewalk and this older gentleman was, I don't know, half a block ahead of me. And suddenly he just collapsed. Now I'm a teen and I had just, I lived kind of ironic. I had just left the swimming pool doing my lifeguard training was almost to the end of it. And so I, we had just gone through the whole CPR training, like literally like 20 minutes ago, I just kind of finished that piece. Well, here, this guy falls. I kind of go running up to him, like, you know, and I could tell he was like, he was starting to choke and not breathe. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, What do I do here? But now that I think about that whole experience, the one thing that I did that was taking care of myself was I stopped for a minute and said, okay, take a breath. And I remember this very specifically. I'm like, take a breath. Now here's the irony. I was half a block from where my mom worked and I was literally, so she worked at, she worked as um, an administrative assistant in a, in a lumber yard. So I was already at the place where I could see the yard of the lumber and everything. And I knew there were guys working there. So the first thing that happened by me stopping and taking a breath, because I knew what I was about to try to attempt to do. I was actually going to attempt to go save somebody's life with these brand new skills that I had just learned. But because I took the breath, A, I got myself centered. I wasn't going into this in a panic. B, I was able to say in my head, you can do this. 
and C, I was able to yell through the fence because it was, you know, typical just open chain link fence to one of the guys that I knew that worked at the lumberyard. And I said, get my mom and call 911. Mm-hmm. That little bit of like, you know, putting the oxygen mask on myself, so to speak, in that moment. By the time I was able to do all that, I, I did not even think what I was doing next because I dropped down to my knees, tilted the guy's head back, grabbed his tongue, pulled it out, got my mouth over, you know, ready to go, clenched the nose, which the way we did it back then is a little bit different than the way we do it now. But um, and I started going. I also could tell by what was about to happen that there was a pretty good chance that something might come up out of his mouth. But I wasn't thinking about that. Because I had got myself in a very special, quote unquote, special space of putting my own oxygen mask on first of how am I going to handle this? Now, I could have done it a different way, too. I could have ran right down the block and said, there's a guy passed out, but I chose not to. And this is something that I think we miss so often in our lives. If you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling shame, if you're feeling vulnerable, and I'm going to kind of put this in your own space, in your life, and you're a high-flying exec, we can't let other people see us. We can't let them see us sweat. We can't let them see us in our vulnerability because, oh my gosh, what if they see the real us? But yet the shift that happens, and I'm assuming, Sarah, this shift happened for you when you finally said, okay, I have to like, I have to make this shift. I have to open up. I have to like allow people to see what's going on. I have to go deal with this. You had to mend your mind to get yourself there. Everything had to have started to shift. I'm not like, wave the magic wand. It was all perfect. But when you finally had that moment, I'm going to assume that everything started to become clearer for you. Yeah, you know, when I, I had the moment was in a, uh, kind of the, the mist of kind of chaos, where I was right. at, like, my life felt the messiest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I realized that it was, you know, my own kind of way that I was dealing slash not dealing with, with life. Like, Hey, I'm not going to have, you know, hard emotional conversations, uh, you know, with, with my partner, I'm just going to kind of freeze up and, and walk away and shut down emotionally. Um, you know, but even though like I, I looked perhaps, you know, calm to others on the outside because I did, I never wanted anyone to, to know I didn't have it all together, uh, especially at, at work, you know, and managing teams and, and whatnot. Like I thought it would be bad if anybody um, knew that I had any problems, you know, in, in, in my life. I, that, and that, that's shame, uh, by the way, that's, that, that makes us hide. Shame makes us hide. And, um, and then like the process of actually unpacking stuff actually kind of got messy, but like to your point of, of, you know, being centered, there was a point where I started to center at a deeper space in, in myself. And it's hard to put words around this space, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, when you feel centered, you know, when you feel, you know, you know, uh, power over yourself and, and, and your life, you just know when you have that, that really centered feeling. Um, and mindfulness was a, another kind of part of 
of, you know, my, my treatment, uh, you know, I mean, I'm talking, I spent 10 days in a silent meditation retreat and, mm. and did a lot of kind of mindfulness meditation work in, in parallel yoga is another technique. A lot of people use because trauma ends up in, in, in the body for right. uh, certain types of trauma, especially um, maybe even what, what you went through. I don't want to project, but um, uh, so, you know, these practices actually uh, made it. So in addition to actually kind of doing the reprocessing work of, of the traumatic memories and, and healing those, I, I got these additional capabilities that now allow me to do exactly what, what you just said with the example of putting, you know, your mask on, taking a breath, calling out to your mom and, and for nine one one is whenever I start to, I mean, we all have stress in our lives. That's, right. that's not, you know, um, uh, unique to be in any way. So when I start to kind of feel that kind of stress or that little bit of that kind of faster heartbeat. Like I, I know in the moment I recognize it because I'm so attuned to my body now take that deep breath and, you know, I'm able to kind of center myself, um, uh, pretty quickly. And, and so that, that ability has been a big tool to learn how to kind of respond from a centered place instead of, of react. So for me, there's, there's really two ingredients that it, it is taking me to, to heal, heal. And not only that, just show up as a better person in the world. One, the first step I had to take was I needed to learn to feel all of my emotions because I didn't like some of my emotions. They made me uncomfortable. If I felt angry about something or sad, like, or whatever, I just didn't like that experience. And so I, I distracted myself, like I said, through kind of work or whatever means, you know, it could be turning on a TV show, whatever to distract. I just didn't want to sit with those sorts of emotions. So number one, I had to learn to feel my emotions, um, you know, and, and connect with those. And then number two, uh, and this has been more of a practice that's taken more time is then now that I'm allowing myself to feel everything, how do I I like manage it. So when all of a sudden you let yourself feel angry about something from 20 years ago, or, you know, you're feeling kind of sad or whatever it is, then you're like, you know, like, then what do you do about it? And so like, you know, that's taken some, you know, practice as well. Like, I don't want to call someone up that from 20 years ago and, and give them an earful, like, that's not the best way to, to respond. So Anyways, that's another tool set that I've been yep. developing and, uh, you know, I'm getting a lot better at it. Uh, but you know, like everyone else, I, I have bad days or, or bad moments too. No, anybody who's written a book, we, we have it all figured out, you know, <laughs> we're, we have all the answers here to this stuff. So, um, you're just human, right? That's what we are. Well, that was the big conclusion for me, like writing for kind of two or three years and soul searching and reflecting. Cause I, I, you know, really like our time is so valuable and precious on this earth. I want to make the most of it. And, and I, it's not only that I wanted to get better. Like I want to live the best life I, I can. Um, and so that's also a big motivator for, for me is like to make the most of, of my life. And, and so, uh, 
my kind of big takeaway, it was hard for me to write the conclusion of the book. <laughs> like that was the hardest part. I wrote it like two weeks before it got published. And as I kind of reflected on my journey, I realized that we're all, you know, it sounds so silly, but it's really hard to internalize. We're all human. And that means, you know, we have good emotions, bad emotions. We make mistakes. We fail. Maybe we fail a few times, but we learn and kind of dust our, ourselves off because we're sold this thing, I think, you know, on how to be, how do you be happy all the time? How do you be great all the time? But but therein is is the problem when we expect ourselves to be happy every second. Like we're human, we have a full range of emotions. Some moments right. we're not happy, and that and you like the second we're happy every single second, then then I have to question if you're you're it, for me. Am I still you know human? It just isn't wasn't a realistic goal for me to reach for. And then I learned to enjoy all of my emotional experience more when I quit trying just by accepting that I'm not going to be happy every second. Um, and yeah, so there's just something of, of just kind of trying to make it kind of very, you know, human um, and, and change our expectations of, I don't know, being perfect or happy all the time or those sorts of things. But I think that that's a beautiful place to kind of bring this full circle is when we can step into that space, whether it's, in our coming out journey, or we're dealing with something from our past that continues to show up, or, you know, suddenly we're a high flying exec and we're like, I'm still not there. I mean, I, I was there. I mean, I remember when I was high up the ladder and I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm flying to here and there. And I'm in this country and that country. And everybody else is like, Oh my God, what a great life you have. I'm like, not really. And I was really dealing with some stuff about that and missing, you know, I was missing out on bits and pieces of my kids growing up, all that sort of stuff that when we finally own, okay, this isn't what's making me happy. And this is what's actually putting some trauma in my world in a way that most people would go, that's not trauma. That's just everyday life. Well, everyday life is kind of traumatic. So let's just be real about it. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned through my own coming to terms with the different pieces of trauma is that it's not just everyday life. And if you start to like only view it as it's everyday life, you may not be giving attention where attention's needed. And if you don't give attention where attention's needed, then it's going to continue to build and to build and to build. And then suddenly here's when, you know, people have explosions in different ways. And I, I love the concept of just the title of your book, uh, Mending My Mind, is we all have the opportunity to do this each and every day. There isn't one of us on the planet who doesn't have this opportunity to continue to mend our mind in our own ways. And that doesn't mean you're screwed up and completely a basket case. I know today is one of those days that I like, hey, I'm kind of like not feeling it good today on a lot of different fronts. And I gave myself some time a couple of hours ago to like, okay, so you don't have any calls. You don't have any podcasts right now. You got 30 minutes. Just go be quiet. Just go be quiet. And it was so good because I just literally like, you know, okay, yes, I tried to not think a lot, 
which is really hard in and of itself to go, okay, don't have any thoughts, don't have any thoughts. But once you start like, okay, I'm just going to relax and whatever, you know, all this sort of stuff. These are all the pieces of really taking our minds and allowing them to do the beautiful things that we can do with them as human beings. And I love that you've shared that, that you've come to the table with like, here's my battles, here's my demons. This is what's gone on for me so that someone else can hear it. Because most of us as authors, we come to this because I want to share this because I'm sure somebody else out there wants it. Yes, we'd like some fame maybe, but I, I remember when I wrote my book, it's like, I just want to release this out to the world because I know there were plenty of other guys in midlife who deal with coming out of the closet. Hey, what I tell them may work for them, may not work for them, but I wanted to release it. And I'm glad that you released your book into the world the way you, that you have so that somebody somewhere may go, oh yeah, that yeah, that's pretty much me and embracing and grabbing hold of PTSD and the things from childhood can be a very, very empowering space to play. So um, congrats again on the book. We actually made this happen this time. (laughs) So, and if any of you are listening and you're like, I feel, I feel compelled and I, I get this and I'd really like to like connect further. You can connect with Sarah in many different ways. Um, But one of the ways you can connect with Sarah is you can connect through her book and you can also connect with her at sarahchurch.org. But I want to, if anybody's really like, I would really like to connect with Sarah through her book, shoot me an email to rick at rickclemens.com. Say, hey, Rick, I'd love Sarah's book. And whoever is the first person to send me that email, I will get a copy of Sarah's book sent to you um, as my gift back out into the world. I love promoting fellow authors and bringing people their books in my own way. So um, again, if you want her book, shoot me an email to rick at rickclemens.com and I will see to it that you get a copy of her book. I guess that was my alarm that says time to do the next one. But um, anyway, thanks again, Sarah, for being here. So appreciate you and love that this work is out there in the world and um, can't wait to see what you do next. So thank you so much. And and likewise. Hey, hey, life uncloseted family. Another episode of life uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here on Life on Closet. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about and you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted and never stop stepping out, stepping up and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.